I'm Emma. Hi. <laughs> wow. For some reason, my brain was like, that's not your line. <laughs> I'm, no, like, I'm Shannon. I'm like, no, no, no. When you were like, I'm Emma, I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> not that you are not Emma, but my brain was like, that's don't not the right say order. that. That's not correct. Wow. I'm Shannon. My blood sugar is like a teensy bit low, but I took care of it, so. Welcome back to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. If if you're new, welcome. Wow. This is us. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I'm sorry, but also I'm not sorry, because this is just what you're in for, so if this is not it, thank you for trying. Have a lovely day. But hopefully you're vibing with the chaotic energy. Because by this point, you guys, what episode is this, Shannon? Oh, I don't know. 50? Ah! Here we are, almost a year later. Yeah. We have not taken any breaks. Nope. No? Not a one. What's a holiday? We don't know. We don't. I did have a thought when I was driving home today. I was like... Hopefully neither of us gets, like, very deeply sick or, like, not able to speak. The reason that I was thinking this is because it popped up in my Facebook memories from freshman year of, like, when the entire production team sends you home from rehearsal because you can't stop coughing. Because I got some cute little bronchitis freshman year, guys, and all of them... The director, the choreographer, the technical director, the music director, they all were like, Shannon, leave. And I had to like walk of shame out through the theater while all of you were on stage rehearsing the ballet. Yep. Opera thing that happens. The show within a show. Yep. But anyway, that was in my head and I was like, what happens if one of us can't talk? Do we just like switch and like, like if you get sick, am I just hosting two episodes in a row? Because then all you have to do is be like, uh-huh. <laughs> Just like sound effects. We- we'll get one of those boards with this. Oh gosh. You just edit in responses <laughs> from go. old episodes. Yeah, of I'll you just, being like, I don't like that. I'll just smash together old episodes. Oh gosh. Anyway. Well, um, let's pray that that never happens. And if you want to check off a Emma or Shan college story, off your bingo card, you can go to the link in our bio at this podcast doesn't exist on Instagram and go get that bingo card. But you know where else you're going to be able to get it, you guys? You're going to be able to get it on our website because guess what we have? We have a website. I'm so excited. I worked really hard. It's very small, but it's also really pretty and I'm really proud of it. It's very cute. Emma did all the work. So I'm really, any good vibes you should send to her exclusively. Well, and the, the website itself is good vibes. It makes me feel really happy. But you can go there and get our bingo card. You can go there and write in your stories. It goes directly to our inbox at this podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com. If you feel like you don't want to go to the website, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You should, but it's fine. I mean, really, it's a one-stop shop. It really is. All of our podcast episodes are there. So if you are trying to recruit people. If you're trying to recruit your spouse, your friend, your coworker, your vague acquaintance, all you have to send them is the link to our episode or to our website cuz then it's all there. Yeah. You don't have to remember a bunch of like, "Oh, what are they on TikTok? Where are they on Twitter?" Uh-uh. You just can go 
and click right the there. little buttons. They're all there. It's right there. And so it's, there's some beautiful. cute little Easter egg host behind the scenes content that we're not going to tell you about because we want you to go to the website. Yes, we do. What is the website, Emma? This podcast doesn't exist. Dot com. Dot com. We love Pretty that. proud of that. Pretty proud of that. That was Emma's gift to us. Yes, it for was. For anniversary. Potiversary gift. For a whole six cents a day, we can have a domain name (laughs) that is the name of the podcast. Yes. Amazing. But we're pretty happy with it, you guys. Just go visit. Go look around. Um, Let us know what you think. We also have a big surprise at the end of this episode. Teaser. Did you love how I was like, oh, what? (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh, I know what it is. But you just turned with such intent and like I did, Ooh, what? and I was like, "Ooh, what I'm are we excited. doing?" I'm I'm really excited for this surprise. Like, We've only been planning this surprise since like episode three. Yeah, honestly, but it's it's exciting. It's fun. Please stick around, though. Well, we all know who else is here. <laughs> it's my blood sugar. She's kind of low, but I already ate stuff, so I'm gonna wait. She'll be okay. If she interrupts again, it's fine. It's fine. She is the third co-host. She is. Not the couch. <laughs> she is. Oh, we have a whole team here. We really do. A whole team. Um, but anyway, you guys, please stick around because this episode is going to be fun, long. I, I'm concerned. I think you're going to like this. Uh, yes, but I, I just like to state at the beginning that I'm concerned because I was like, Oh, yeah, it's episode 50. It's super big, super fun. And then I was like, oh, no, because that means Emma's going to feel the need to be like really big and it's spooky season. It's going to be really a lot. And I just am not, I'm never ready for that, but that's okay. I, you, you say that I'll like it. So I really think you will. It's, not necessarily the kind of spooky I usually do. I had a lot of fun with it. It's, is, is this topical, like, based on recent news and events? No. Oh, okay. It is not about the Zodiac Killer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't seen, uh, people have, a, a small cohort of people have supposedly found the man who was the Zodiac Killer. I am still skeptical. Because there yeah, is cross very that off proof. on your bingo card. Because until Billy Jensen is like, we got him. Yeah, exactly. Guys. That was my exact thought. <laughs> I'm like, mm. unless and, Paul Holes tells me. And to be honest with you, this is just me being petty, but Fox News broke the story, so. Well, that's because they're trying to cover for Ted Cruz, but we'll get past that. Anyway. <laughs> That's another episode for another time. Yes. So it isn't necessarily topical. But it is of the season. Mm-hmm. So Shannon, your teaser this week is going to be very easy. Because what comes to your mind when I say, Amok, 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 amok. Hocus Pocus! Exactly! And where does Hocus Pocus take place? In Salem! Salem, Massachusetts. My friends, today we are going to talk about the Salem Witch Trials. Woo! Yes. So appropriate for the season, but not necessarily the kind of spooky you thought it was going to be. Oh, man. Now I feel like I'm... I'm gonna like... Do you feel better? (laughs) 
No, I'm nervous now because I feel like I'm going to feel the need to insert as many references as possible. But, like, look, I love Hocus Pocus. It's one of the only, like, Halloween movies I watch because you guys may have been able to figure out. I don't do horror movies. No. Mm Mm-mm. But I haven't. I haven't seen it since, like, last Halloween. And I didn't watch it growing up all Mm -hmm. the time. So, like, my friend Brian from high school was upset. Like, pretty sure he could just quote the whole movie to you in order uh, with costume changes. I can't do that. But I will try and pull some references out of the air. I think you'll find your spots. There. We'll see. For over a year, Salem Village, Massachusetts, was plagued by the devil in the form of witches who had given their allegiance to him. The witch trials of 1692 to 1693 illuminate a dark history at the beginnings of America and may in fact tell us more about our fragile humanity than we realize. That's deep. Thanks, man. Your AP English teacher would be proud. That's immediately where I am now. The crucible. Yep. Yep. Junior year. We're back. So we we read it uh, senior year of high school, and uh, halfway through senior year of high school, my AP English teacher was suspended because she slapped a kid. So she had some angry things, so we stopped the crucible halfway through. (laughs) Womp womp. No, we had a... It was one of three summer reading, like, required reading books going into junior year. And I remember being amped because... Pro tip, I don't think anybody that listens to us is still in high school, but here's a little bit of knowledge that you can share with the young people in your life or the college students in your life. It's much easier to procrastinate and read the entire play the night before and write a paper than it is to do that with a novel. Oh, yes. I pulled that out so many times. Anytime we got to select like a genre or an author... Senior year, I did a whole project about Arthur Miller because I was like, I can read a bunch of plays the night before. That's so interesting. I did my senior project on Marilyn Monroe. They were married. Oh, that's fine. I think it wasn't specifically about him. It was about, like, American playwrights. Because we had to be like, American literature. Blech. (laughs) And I was like, all right, a bunch of uh, old white dudes, but they wrote plays. Here we are. Anyway, I digress. That's okay. So a short history of Salem. I'm pulling a Shannon here. Woo! The area that became Salem Village was first known well by the Nomkiag group of the Massachusetts tribe. They were nomadic, following the seasons to move from settlement to settlement, leaving their structures in certain areas empty, ready for their return. Early colonists were frustrated by this when they were found in those supposedly abandoned homes as they struggled to make their own and farm the land they had thought was theirs. Even with this, the Namkiag helped the settlers to learn the land and farm, though disease from the new families populating their shores made the Namkiag numbers dwindle. It became worse during the King Philip's War from 1675 to 1678 when the indigenous tribes were kept in awful conditions as prisoners of war and killed with European weapons. The land eventually was taken by the settlers. Note, Salem Village now acknowledges the Namkiag Massachusetts tribe as the rightful heirs to the indigenous land. Obviously, it's just a statement. They 
can't give the town back. So, but Namkiag descendants still live in and around Salem, but not necessarily the best start to a town or a country, really. Yeah. <laughs> From 1626 onward, Salem Village, Massachusetts, situated in the North Shore region, became an important port town for colonial America. The name Salem is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Shalem, which was a royal city before the time of Jesus in the Middle East. The city was near a river where John the Baptist converted many. Hmm. The more you know. So that was the hope for this town, was to have it be a place of conversion, of religious vigor. The village of Salem was already established when the Massachusetts Bay Colony was formed in 1629. I will note that Salem Village and Salem Town are two separate places at this time, the latter being the wealthier of the two. Salem Village is now named Danvers, but is directly next to Salem proper. So, The settlers themselves were religious dissenters, known as Puritans, broken off from the Church of England. There was a huge influx of them from England during the 1620s and 30s, but in the 1640s, during the English Civil War, Puritan leaders emerged in victory, and so the refugees from England to the colony waned. In their place grew a greedy merchant class, which was much less religiously motivated than its predecessors. Hmm. Winds in the east. <laughs> da, 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 da. I have a feeling what's happened. It's all happened before. I love that. You were like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my quotes in, and you chose Mary Poppins. <laughs> Look, I just exist as an amalgamation of TikTok quotes. <laughs> Anything I say is probably just a remix of something I read or, or saw. It's the remix. It's the remix. Can we switch the language? <laughs> I do try and give attribution when I'm quoting things that I think are hilarious, but I know are from other places. And I feel like in high school, I would try and, like, say stuff and see if anyone called me on it. But I was also, like, one of my only friends that was on Tumblr. Oh. So, so I could get away with things, but now I now I drop them more as, like, I drop it and, like, see if anybody else is like, hey, because then I'm like, we're friends. But then I'll be like, if people are like, that's so funny, I'll be like. Oh, I saw it on TikTok. <laughs> Look, I'm waiting. <laughs> the blood sugar, we're getting here. We're, I'm, I'm really proud of you. We're working our way back. Uh, my blood sugar has run amok, amok, amok. Amok, 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 All right. So Reverend Cotton Mather, someone named their kid Cotton. Come uh, over here, polyester. <laughs> Your brother Wool is back. From the war. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the other ones. I oh, yeah, we're both like, what are other fabrics? <laughs> Silk. Uh, what's up, nylon? There we go. Spandex. <laughs> that's their cousin. <laughs> I. That's a Shannon original. That, that is not from TikTok. <laughs> You're welcome. Attribute it to us. Such <laughs> sources. This podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> That's so good. So Cotton Mather. <laughs> Nylon Mather. He just sounds like 
a cult leader of Christian evangelist. Like, just that, the cadence of that name, I'm like, yeah. He's got a little bit of that, but he's he's kind of, like, sort of better off in terms of, like, the bad guys in this situation. Like, he's on the better side. He's not the best. He's not winning. He's just, he's somewhere, he's just settled in the middle. If you guys can't, I was going to say, if you guys can't see... <laughs> If you can't see right now, can't see me, and that's unusual for you, please pause this podcast and call nine one one. Especially if you're driving a car, maybe I don't know how to help you. I think I'm that sorry. polyester thing broke me, <laughs> dude. We're on page two. Oh, that's way further than I feel like we of would've. twelve. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> So Reverend Cotton Mather, Reverend Polyester Mather, a prolific writer living in Boston, wrote in his 1689 book, Memorable Providences Relating to Witchcrafts and Possessions, of his belief in witchcraft. Surprise, surprise. Fueled by his account of the, quote, stupendous witchcraft, end quote, that affected the children of a mason named John Goodwin. So the Goodwin's eldest had apparently been tempted by the devil, no less, to steal the linens off the line from a washerwoman named Goody Glover. She was an Irish Catholic and was considered very disagreeable in her old age. Good old Hello. Goody Glover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And her own husband described her as a witch. Which I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. Exactly. Like, he's going to reference everything that's not Hocus Pocus, I think is <laughs> It's what's working happening. so far. Yep. According to Mather, she cast spells on the children, resulting in four out of the six kids having fits, what some people apparently called, quote, the disease of astonishment, end quote. Symptoms included neck and back pain, loud random yelling, flapping their arms like birds, having no control over their own bodies, like becoming limp. This so far sounds exactly like my daily life. <laughs> Except these last two. So having their tongues drawn out from their throats, which I'm guessing is just like keeping their tongues out of their mouth, like yeah. panting like a dog maybe, and trying to hurt others or themselves. Okay. You you relate to that on a personal level. I'm relating that to a previous episode, Jersey Devil. <gasps> sounds very similar. Ooh. Also sounds like they had it coming. Yeah, it's called being a good neighbor. If you're not going to parent your children, I will. Yeah. I, okay, yeah. So, so far, I agree. So, but this account caused the accusation of Goody Glover of witchcraft. She just looked at them really hard with her, like, cloudy, annoying, (laughs) like, I am just old, let me live. Basically. They were like, never mind. Never mind, it's not worth it. So Mather wasn't the only person of the time who wrote on witchcraft. It was very much in the zeitgeist of the Puritan culture and the Christians of the time. Europe had experienced witch hunts in somewhat of a ripple effect from the 1300s through to the 1600s, with witchcraft being marked as a capital crime in England in 1542, punishable by death. Mm. America's witch hunts were at the end of this era, but just as brutal. The earliest recorded execution because of witchcraft in America was of Alsie Young from Hartford, Connecticut in 1647. The Connecticut witch trials went from this execution through to 1663, which is intense. That's like almost 20 years. You want to know where my brain is happening right now? What? 
Uh, have you seen the TikTok of the girl? <laughs> this one's actually related, I promise. Where she's like, when you're a young woman with depression in Salem, Massachusetts, and you're like, oh, yes. Oh, I just <laughs> wish I'll we'll have to find it. Cut. Yeah, I'll have to put it on in the story because it's so true. It's like, wow, I wish I could just bewitch that person. He looks around suspiciously. Damn it, no one's watching. <laughs> I love that one. Well, the death toll from this past hunt and others in Massachusetts totaled to 16, 14 women and two men in all that time, which, considering that it lasted almost 20 years, is not necessarily that many. Reeks of misogyny, if you ask me. Yeah. So what was their idea of a witch at this time? I don't know, Emma. Why didn't you tell me? Well, you would have been afflicted by a witch if you had seen their specter, or essentially their ghost haunting you while they were still alive elsewhere, casting a spell on you in a dream or in a vision. Two, you were convulsing, acting strange, or being disruptive in yelling. Three, you were physically ill in any capacity. (laughs) Four, anyone in your family died by any reason. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Five, you lost something, an item, a cow, a crop, anything. That feels like the opposite to me. If I were really a witch, I'd be able to find it again. No, but these are the people who are afflicted by witches. Oh. So they're the ones who are losing their family and and losing things and... Oh, if you've been cursed by a witch. If you've been cursed by a witch. Oh, okay. You'd convulse, act strange, be disruptive. All right. I misunderstood. I am sorry. I asked the question and then went to the reverse. That was my fault. You uno reversoed me. I uno reverso. (laughs) My apologies. All right. Lastly, you were afflicted by a witch if you said you were. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So evidence of a witch obviously has more to do with the accuser than the person themselves, but this next list is really what a witch looked like to a devout New Englander. The witch engaged in quarrels or was generally disagreeable. Mm-hmm. They did not conform to the norms. They missed church services. They were unmarried. They did not have any children. Their family had died by any reason, usually suddenly. They dressed funny, which in Puritan New England, this included any kind of torn clothing. They were judged as, quote, immoral for any variety of reasons. And lastly, they were a woman in conjunction with one of these other items at most. Wow, guys. Put a finger down edition. I'm at seven. Please DM (laughs) us what you... What you got on that fun little challenge. Yeah, I'm I'm at six. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what we should do on the TikTok. <laughs> Put a finger down. But challenge. like, not our faces, just, just our like, hands. <laughs> I'm good. We're going to do that. <sighs> so an overwhelming number of accused witches were women. About 78 to 80%. Although Puritan belief held that men and women were equal in the eyes of God... They were not equal in the eyes of the devil. Women had souls that were basically unprotected by their weak and vulnerable corporeal bodies, and therefore were more susceptible to sin and damnation. 
Women who did not conform to the New England or Puritan cultures were targets, especially if they made any kind of noise. Of course, this isn't the end-all be-all of what a witch could have looked like to a Puritan New Englander, but it's just the most plausible reasons to accuse someone that they ended up using. Um, but as we'll see, accusations can come from everywhere and often have vastly different reasonings. So now that we know everything about Salem Village and witches, let's get into what makes these so famous. Or infamous, really. In February, 1692, nine-year-old Betty Paris and her cousin, 11-year-old Abigail Williams, were found having fits that were, according to accounts, quote, beyond the power of epileptic fits or natural disease, end quote. Yes, Shannon. I smell children. Well done! Thank you. The girls apparently threw things around the room, screamed and mumbled strange things, got under furniture, contorted their bodies in strange positions. All of this, according to the eyewitness Reverend Lawson, who was a former minister of Salem Village, who was visiting the current Reverend Samuel Paris. Samuel Paris was the father and uncle of the two girls. Somebody's gotta call Super Nanny. <gasps> That would have been the perfect solution. It, Mary Poppins. You've already talked about Mary Poppins. You did it. I you did, did it. it. You predicted it. You're I'm a witch. Gosh, You're I've a witch. Done it. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and you had two Julie Andrews references in this in this house. In this here house. In this here house. So the two girls also said they were being pinched and pricked by pins, but a doctor could find no physical evidence of anything on them and diagnosed them with bewitchment. you never seen a child lie before? Apparently not. Not if you're a Puritan child. Other girls, 12-year-old Anne Putnam Jr., 17-year-old Elizabeth Hubbard, Mercy Lewis, Mary Walcott, Susanna Sheldon, Elizabeth Booth, and Mary Warren started to become, quote, afflicted, end quote and interrupted the visiting Reverend Lawson during his sermon that Sunday. I mean, we've all been there. You know, you just want to get to so the cookies bored. at the end. You're so you're like, bored in church. Let's wrap it up. And in during this time, it was like an all-day affair. Oh, On a Sunday. Gosh. Oh, wait. Uh-uh. Three women were accused of witchcraft by the two girls that started this whole thing. Claiming they had been bewitched by them. Oh, so we're trusting the nine-year-old? Okay. And the 11-year-old, yeah. Okay. Those accused were Sarah Osborne, Sarah Good, and Tituba, Paris's slave. So Sarah Osborne was old and very poor. She rarely attended church meetings, and some believed that Osborne was selfish because she was trying to control her son's inheritance from her first marriage, which she received none of because she was just the wife, Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, while in her second to an indentured servant. So they were like, you're greedy. You're trying to take money from the rightful person. And she was probably just like trying to make sure that her son was well cared for because she was super poor. Sarah Good was a beggar, destitute, and had a bad reputation, 
probably because she was unmarried and had no means of support for herself or her four-year-old daughter. Oh, we love to hear it in a lovely Christian community. We love to hear it. Puritans are a bit backwards. And of course, Tichuba, because the main scapegoat has to be the most outcast of them all. Tichuba was South American Indian from potentially the West Indies, but more likely she was captured in Venezuela and taken to the Caribbean to be sold into slavery. Awful. She was enslaved as the Paris's housemaid and all-around servant, so she did absolutely everything, including taking care of the children. The story goes that she had attracted the girls with stories of enchantment and how to sway the minds of men, teaching them how to see into the future with egg whites on a mirror, mostly to see their future husbands, but one en ended up apparently seeing a coffin, so it was like, the devil's here, instead of like, you know, maybe you just seeing things, girl. This is also, th that specific piece is from a secondary source, so it's potentially like not true, but it's an interesting story. Weirdly, the accusation included that she had told them the stories from the Malleus Maleficarium, which is a book from 1486 written by a German Catholic clergyman. The title roughly translates to Hammer of Witches. The book itself is a treatise that basically compiles all of the stories of demonology of the 15th century, suggesting torture to be the best way to get confessions, and the only remedy for witchcraft was the death of the witch. It also elaborated on the concept of witchcraft and how you can tell the true victim of sorcery. Right, and this enslaved woman was reading Latin. Was supposedly very familiar with this really old yeah, book. Yeah, she was reading Latin to them. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I find this weird because it's just, it's from a Catholic person too. Like the Puritans were very much like against Catholicism. Any kind of papist anything, they were like, uh-uh, not about it. No. So... Honestly, I think that that's inserted into the story because it's like, <gasps> the Catholics, they're trying to get us. The fact that it had stories of witches couldn't be, like, it shouldn't be allowed to be read to these girls, I guess. But because it was, like, not just stories of witches, but, like, what the witches had done. So it was, like, all of their bad deeds being told and then maybe the imaginations of the girls would like run away with them and then they'd get into trouble all this kind of stuff i'd like to mm. insert the meme that's like oh okay so reading about gay history in school is going to turn our children gay uh we spent a lot of time on world war ii and i have yet to invade poland <laughs> so exactly and I believe the attribution for that source is probably Facebook, but it's a screenshot of a Tumblr post, oh, which are really those, the those best. Those are my favorites. When Tumblr posts end up on other those social are, platforms. Yes, those are my favorite. Not sure what the reasoning here is, except for the potential that Reverend Samuel Paris was egging the girls on to accuse people he didn't like, who he disagreed with, or he had noticed hadn't been to services. Yeah, let's weaponize the youth. Absolutely. Great idea. Yeah. Children would never lie or make things up ever. Never, ever. So these three women were brought before the magistrates, Jonathan Corwin and John Haythorne. 
They were questioned as their accusers, some of the young girls, were writhing, screaming, contorting, spasming, and claiming that it was happening because of the women accused being in the room. They were charged with witchcraft, interrogated for days starting March 1st, 1692, and then sent to jail to await their trials. Later in March, other women were accused, either by some of the girls or by Tichuba, who was the only one of the first three to confess guilt for witchcraft, likely trying to save herself. Because if you could plead guilty, you might not be hanged, you might be pardoned because you're not lying. It's this weird thing. It's weird. It's weird. Those accused were Martha Corey, Rebecca Nurse, and four-year-old Dorothy Good, daughter of Sarah. Okay, yeah, let's convict children. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm sure Jesus loves that. (laughs) He's all about it. Martha had apparently expressed skepticism at the girl's affliction, which obviously brought her unwanted attention. Rebecca Nurse, along with Martha Corey, were full members, very upstanding, paid their tithes, everything in their churches. Martha in Salem Village and Rebecca in Salem Town. And this, in particular, scared the townspeople even further, because if church membership wasn't protection enough against accusation, then anybody could be a witch. And Dorothy Good, at only four, was questioned by the magistrates, and her, quote, confession ended up implicating her mother as a witch who had led the four-year-old astray. So Dorothy Good's not a witch, but her mother is, absolutely, because Dorothy at four can fully form into words exactly what has happened. So these accusations only brought on more. And in April, Sarah Cloyce, Rebecca Nurse's sister, and Elizabeth Proctor were arrested and brought before Haythorne and Corwin in Salem Town. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll recognize the name Elizabeth Proctor. She is one of the characters in uh, The Crucible by Arthur Miller, as is Tichuba and her husband, John Proctor, who also appears in this. They were real people. He really just grabbed the history and twisted it to his own means, Arthur Miller did, but a lot of those names are of real people, so you'll recognize it. Present for these questions were Deputy Governor Thomas Danforth and his assistants, which made the proceedings much more serious. John Proctor kept objecting to the proceedings as his wife Elizabeth was questioned and was eventually, too, arrested. He only later was accused of witchcraft after his sister-in-law, Rebecca Nurse, was executed. Oops, told you. Within a week of these arrests, Giles Corey, Martha's husband, Abigail Hobbs, and Deliverance Hobbs, who was Abigail's stepmother, Bridget Bishop, and Mary Warren, who was a a servant of the Proctors and an accuser at one point, were all arrested and examined. Abigail, Deliverance, and Mary all named still others, including Sarah Wilde, William Hobbs, who was the father of Abigail and husband of Deliverance, and Nehemiah Abbott Jr., whose name I love, Mary English, Sarah Bishop, and her husband Edward, and Mary Eastie, who was the sister of Rebecca Nurse and Mary Cloyce. Nehemiah was eventually released when his accusers agreed it wasn't his specter that they saw. Mary was also released for this reason, but then rearrested because her accusers reconsidered. 
These arrests were happening in the surrounding counties as well as in Salem Village, so even proximity to the town was dangerous. Everyone's families were getting roped in and no one was truly safe. It seems after John Proctor was arrested that men were getting accused as well. So it was only after he had like stood up for his wife that they were like, men can be annoying too. <laughs> On May 10th, 1692, Sarah Osborne, one of the first accused, died in jail. And it just kept snowballing. Up until middle May, people were brought in for questioning and arrested on suspicion or confession, but were not yet tried. I won't continue with the names of everybody who was arrested or had a warrant for arrest, but there were at least four more warrants issued before May 27, 1692, when William Phipps, governor of Massachusetts, ordered the establishment of the Special Court of Oyer and Terminer for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties, having heard of the seriousness of the accusations from his deputy. Oyer and Terminer means to hear and decide. The way the court worked was that there were eight judges who would decide a verdict among themselves, a bit like the Supreme Court, among whom would be presiding were Chief Magistrate William Stoughton, John Haythorne, Jonathan Corwin, and John Richards. These names are important later. Can I get a Mark or a Luke? Nope, they're all named a John. A Matthew? There's a Jeez. lot of Johns. Too many Johns. With this new court established, 36 more warrants were issued. Examinations were still taking place while these people were either evading capture or were arrested and brought to questioning as well. When the court finally came together at the end of May, there were 62 people in custody on charges of witchcraft awaiting trial. There's not going to be anyone left in this town. That's why they kept going to the other towns. They were just expanding. They were like... Oh, we need him. He's the baker. Yeah. <laughs> can't, yeah can't accuse can't him. him. I want bread. So remember Polyester Mather? Uh-huh. Well, he wrote to John... His name is Cotton Mather, you guys. <laughs> I want to make sure that I get that right. Nope. <laughs> he wrote to John Richards, one of the judges, on May 31st, 1692, in support of the prosecutions, but wanted to warn against the following. This is a quote. Do not lay more stress on pure spectral evidence than it will bear. It is very certain that the devils have sometimes represented the shapes of persons not only innocent, but also very virtuous. Though I believe that the just God then ordinarily provides a way for the speedy vindication of the persons thus abused. So basically, careful of spe spectral evidence, but also like they'll be saved if they're not witches. Which, this is why I said he's, like, middling. He's, like, in, in the little valley of good and evil. <laughs> no. We're not giving out cookie crumbs, Emma. He gets better. We, no. It's just, uh... His name is Cotton. <laughs> he had no chance. <laughs> but you're right. I shouldn't give him the cookie crumbs. No. So, tests that would bring forth evidence that you were a witch in court could include the following... Spectral evidence, as we've discussed, um, that the afflicted person had seen you or the shape of you as they were bewitched. The accusers, of course, had to bring this forth. You couldn't say. Yes, if they had been haunted while alive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. The touch test, which was basically when one of the afflicted was having a fit, and when the accused touched the victim, the fit stopped, because apparently then the magic would get transferred back into the witch through the touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the discovery of poppets, more like voodoo dolls 
that kind of thing. They didn't have voodoo, any uh, understanding of voodoo at this point, but that's the basic understanding of what the poppet would be. Mm-hmm. Any books on palmistry, horoscopes, or anything deemed immoral or ungodly in your abode? Oh, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> any pots of ointment, which, like, let a girl be moisturized. Like, jeez. <laughs> I need I need my lotions. <laughs> No. No one's going to see your elbows in Puritan, Massachusetts, Emma. But it's so uncomfy. Can you imagine against that wool having dry skin? Yeah, I imagine a lot of things were uncomfortable about the past. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. I, mean, I can't speak because I, in the past I would have died as a, as a baby. So I can't really, yeah, I don't really know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because you haven't, you haven't experienced it yet. Look, I, even in my... <laughs> Even like, in your past lives. My past lives, I'm like, oh, that'd be a bummer if your reincarnation is just the same thing over and over again. Like, oh, if I'm, am I diabetic in every lifetime? Because if so, like, we should, we should go. Who did my ancestors piss off? That's what I really want to go to a psychic now and be like, so has she had any past lives or is she like a new soul? <laughs> like, I want to know. This is just the, this is the mark one. Like, <laughs> this is the, this is like the Windows 97 version of my soul. I've got to go through some upgrades. (laughs) 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 There we go. No, yep. Okay, now I fully agree with you. (laughs) Um, Any testimony of a confessed witch that you were a witch would automatically make you a witch. Your own confession, obviously, would prove that you're a witch. These are my confessions. And perhaps the most famous is a witch's teat, which was... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. Was my face too much? (laughs) No, I just was expecting you to say one thing, and it was not that. What'd you expect? Uh, Drowning them. Oh, no, that was something that they did in, like, the 13-1400s and then decided it wasn't useful. Monty Python has skewed my... Yeah, the weighing thing in Monty Python 2 was a very medieval yeah. thing. It's not something that they did at this... They, they had advanced. They had moved on. Right, to believing nine-year-olds. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very and, learned. And the witch's teat was a mole or a blemish anywhere on your body that wasn't sensitive to touch. So they would, like, strip you in the courtroom... And, like, touch all the moles on your body and see if you flinched when they touched them. Like, they'd lightly t- They wouldn't, like, press on them. They'd be like... Like when you go to the doctor. Well, this probably doesn't happen for you. No, I have like, no moles. Normal. No, no, no. Let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. Ma'am. You're like... <laughs> your pancreas works. So oh, you yeah. don't have to go. But when I go to see my diabetes doctor, my endocrinologist, if you will... I always have to, they get out a very thin, like, plastic poker thing, and then they're like, don't look at your feet, and then they, like, tap different parts of my feet, because, like, diabetes, you get nerve damage, and sometimes they have to, like, cut your foot off and stuff, so they always are like, can you feel this, like, or, like, let me know when you can feel it, so you can be like, yeah. Which, as somebody who likes to get 100%, is really stressful because I just want to cheat. It's <laughs> like I, when you go to the eye doctor and you're, re- you're focusing one, so hard. Or two. One. <laughs> or two. And you're just like pressing your entire yes. being against the thing and you're like, oh, one. <laughs> I think. And they're like, okay, one. 
or three. And you're like, frick, I don't know. Because <laughs> they look the same. Yeah. I can't see. But then, <laughs> I like, can't see. Right? <laughs> but then they get to like four and then they're like, or no change. And you're like, I didn't know that was an option. So like, do I actually have an astigmatism? I don't know. I don't know either. I can see out of my glasses. That's yep. all that counts. Right, they were poking moles. I was like, how did they get here? <laughs> yeah, how they poked moles, get... which automatically meant you were a witch if you That's couldn't feel so it. That's so uncomfortable, too. But, oh, uh, like... Especially because they all men and everyone... A double serving of, a, yeah, of misogyny. And all like, of them are, are, are women. Yeah. Except for, like, a handful. So. Mm. So this brings us to the trials. The da, court... Da, da, da. Oh. Da, da. That feels like a a bad group project from AP English. Like people like in their backyard filming like a Law and Order Salem edition. <laughs> oh, I would love. Can we you please know. do that? No, I would work so hard on I'm that. I'm asking for another group project. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. This one's enough. So the court convened on June 2nd and brought the first case to the grand jury. No, nobody was given legal counsel. You literally were just, like, defending yourself. Uh, Objection? Right. Overruled. So so middle-aged, which in the 1690s speak is, like, 35, 40. (laughs) Yeah, it's 30. um, Bridget Bishop came before the judges. She defended herself, saying, quote, I am innocent. I know nothing of it. I have done no witchcraft. I am as innocent as a child unborn. She apparently was promiscuous and gossipy, wore odd costumes, like a coat that had been cut or torn, they couldn't decide, and her lifestyle was deemed, quote, immoral, because she flirted with people. She's a hoe. She, she a hoe. Not a spade. No. Just a hoe. Just a hoe. Not a trowel. A hoe. Why is my gardening joke not funny? No, I was agree. I left at you internally. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you not hear internally it? Internally doesn't help, <laughs> Emma. I'm not a witch. I can't hear your thoughts. You're not a witch. You're my wife. Correct. This <laughs> is the entire episode. <laughs> That's going to be the title. Yep. It? Yeah. <laughs> So well, that qu- should be on the bingo card. I'm like, not a witch, I'm your wife? No, no, no. Like, you guessed... Uh, well, that wouldn't really work. Because you hear it. I'm like, my my own personal bingo card <laughs> is... need to make you I guess I guessed what the title of the episode's gonna be before it comes out. <laughs> That's what we should make you for the Potiversary episode. <laughs> we should make you a bingo Our card. Own, my own bingo your card. Own I just sit here with, like... A marker, a whiteboard. You just hear it like. (laughs) The court had a trial the same day and convicted her as a witch. And because witchcraft was a capital offense, it meant the only verdict was death. On June 10th, 1692, Bridget Bishop became the first to be executed by hanging for witchcraft in Salem Village. The court adjourned for 20 days after this execution to seek advice from other New England ministers on what to do with the potential 62 witches in custody in Salem Village, Ipswich, and Boston. Not Ipswich! Ipswich! 
So I've seen the numbers anywhere from 60 to 200. So my guess is more like it was 100 max over the, like over the course of all three spaces. Because obviously they can't keep that many people in Salem Village Jail. It was like two rooms. So. Get cozy. Yeah. Um, but it's vague because there are rumored accusations and there are rumored arrests, but they're not necessarily written down in any of the tracks or anything like that. So it's, nah. Anyway. Cotton Mather again. He's back, Mr. Polyester. Because remember, he's a minister. So he wrote out a collective response of the New England religious leaders by June 15th, which is pretty, pretty quick. That was like five days after they were like, okay, we need to take a break from killing people because this is a lot. This is heavy. Mm-hmm. I need, I need to, I need some self-care time. Well, yeah, like he was very breathable, you know, so he just could ride around. <laughs> Y'all, I wish you could see Emma's face. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> you just did the human equivalent of when Kermit the Frog, like, <laughs> eats his, his own, own mouth. His own mouth. <laughs> Amazing. Well, all right. So Mr. Polyester Mather wrote out this eight-point response. It went a little bit like this. Um, I real paraphrased this, you guys, because it was in 1690s speak, so I wanted to make it digestible. Number one, we should certainly help those who are, quote, afflicted by witchcraft as much as possible. Two, God should be consulted, i.e. pray for wisdom and discernment, to make sure that you get the right people convicted. Oh, what? That was an option? Right. Three... Take extreme caution when prosecuting witchcraft because if it's real and you give it too much credit, you're dealing then with the devil. And that opens a door for irreversible consequences on your part. That's fair. Okay. Four, look out for false accusations, specifically against those who had a spotless reputation before they were accused or who have never before had an issue with anyone. He used the word tenderness and I didn't like it. Oh, Five, no one should be questioned in a way that there will be great noise, company, or openness, which I presume means questioning them privately is preferable, um, so that their questioning is not the test for the trial. So they're not testing them during the questioning. You're testing them during the trial. That's Mm -hmm. what was supposed to happen. Six, the devil gets to look however he wants, so he could, in theory, take the form of someone virtuous and unblemished in order to lead their de- to their demise and presumed guilt, even if they were not a witch. Another admonishment against spectral evidence, but this is also not always the case, is what he says. This is basically what he said earlier on. Seven, some people may just be more forceful than others, and we don't know yet if the people charged are of the devil or just strong-willed until questioned and tested thoroughly. And eight, and I'll use what he said because it's pretty self-explanatory. Quote, Nevertheless, we cannot but humbly recommend unto the government the speedy and vigorous prosecution of such as have rendered themselves obnoxious according to the direction given in the laws of God and the wholesome statutes of the English nation for the detection of witchcrafts. End quote. You obnoxious over there. Beow, 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 beow. We have rendered ourselves obnoxious. 
Uh, tag yourself. It's if me. You have been. If you have rendered yourself obnoxious. I think it's me. Am I the drama? <laughs> am, I, am I the drama? Look at you making a drag race reference. Who is she? <laughs> I'm learning. I'm from Azusa, witch. Hey, you don't know her yet. I don't know her yet. Her name's Adora. It was just her birthday. We love her. I'll get there. Eventually. However. The However. Je- <laughs> I'm sorry, am I? I'm not am obnoxious. I the drama? <laughs> am I obnoxious? Are you sticking me in? No, never. However, the judges took this response, internalized only the first two and the last, and then just went whole hog. So they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk to God. And yeah, yeah, we'll take care of the people who have been victims of this. And yeah, yeah, we'll, like, really go after the people who are practicing witchcraft. But the other stuff, we don't care. One of the judges resigned because he didn't see how spectral evidence could be admissible at all. So, Nathaniel Saltonstall, thank you very much for leaving. But he was replaced, and still more people were accused and arrested. And examined. But he wasn't the only person in Salem who questioned the validity of the trials. Some members of the community had even started a petition for the release of Rebecca Nurse when she was first arrested. When she was initially found not guilty in her trial... Judge Stoughton asked the jury to reconsider their verdict because of the girls having fits in the courtroom while the trial happened. And so they did. Objection. Objection. So many objections. I know. Another suspected witch, a man named Roger Toothacre. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, no, it's a great name. It's a really great name. He died in prison awaiting trial on June 16th. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, man. From June 30th through early July, five women were found guilty and others were set to stand trial. The five women found guilty, including Sarah Good and Rebecca Nurse, were hanged on July 19th. And it just keeps going like this. So on August 19th, 1692, another five were executed for witchcraft, including John Proctor, who had been so adamantly defending his wife, Elizabeth Proctor, who had also been convicted of witchcraft, but she was given a temporary stay because she was pregnant. Which also Arthur Miller uses in The Crucible. Mm-hmm. September saw another 18 people indicted. 81-year-old Giles Corey, Martha Corey's husband, refused to plead anything. He wouldn't plead guilt and he wouldn't plead innocence at his arraignment. And so on September 19th, was killed by the Pien Forte et Deux, which is strong and harsh punishment in French, which meant that he was basically pressed to death by laying increasingly heavy stones on top of a board on him in an attempt to get him to confess before it killed him. Obviously, it did not work. Again, I really feel like Jesus was on board. He was like, yup, this totally falls in line with what I've been saying. Can you feel the sarcasm in the statement? Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Can you taste it? As someone who does not subscribe to, like, any sort of spiritual, religious practice, I'm just like... Y'all can't be picking and choosing what you believe in if you believe all the bad stuff. You gotta believe the, like, forgive each other and don't be a jerk parts, too. Yeah, you can't be cafeteria Catholic about it. So, apparently, 
He wanted to make sure that his children would receive his estate upon his death, because if he had pleaded guilty or had been found guilty after pleading innocent, his estate would have been confiscated. And he wanted to make sure that his children had their inheritance, which is a baller dad move, honestly. Four people pleaded guilty and 11 more were tried and found guilty. Eight more people were hanged on September 22nd, including Mary Eastie and Martha Corey. Trials continued through to October, but when Governor Phipps's wife was brought in for questioning, and with the waning support for the trials, because that was definitely it, um, the court of Oyer and Terminer was dissolved by the governor. Wow, how mm-hmm. convenient. Yeah, the 52 remaining prisoners were tried in a new court called the Superior Court of Judicature the following winter, and this court was under strict rules to disregard spectral evidence. Hmm. William Stoughton again presided, but this time, most of the prisoners were found not guilty and released, while those who were found guilty were pardoned and released in May of 1693. Interestingly, even though she was found guilty in the eyes of the townsfolk, Tichuba was never indicted, hmm. which I did not know. All in all, 19 people were executed, one was tortured to death, four died in prison, four pleaded guilty and were pardoned, six were found guilty and pardoned, and 10 managed to escape from prison. I was going to say, with the number of people in prison, there is definitely some uprising stuff that could be happening. (laughs) Absolutely. There were, like, escape attempts all the time. There were people who, like, would come to, like visit their family member or whatever and like somehow get them out like it was way too easy oh officer what are you talking about i totally had a hunchback when i came in (laughs) (laughs) what this oh this is my sister but she was with me when i came in yeah definitely (laughs) oh this is just being up what do you mean there's no one standing next to me you're seeing a ghost (laughs) (laughs) you are a witch you I mean, at that point, I mean, I'm sure it was actually very scary, but I feel like if I had been in jail for such a long time, I would just get to the point of, like, you want obnoxious? I'll give you obnoxious of, like, no, I would just go toddler on them. Like, no, you're a witch. Yeah. I accuse you. Yeah. There would be no, like, after that, there would be absolutely no decorum in my in my body. Like, I would be like, oh, no. heck no. Like, there's I'm no like, reason. What? Oh, what are you going to do? Kill me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we turn into, like, French maitre d'oeuvres? <laughs> oh. So there were two dogs <gasps> that were suspected of witchcraft. I, What? No. And they were they were executed for suspicion. Burn the whole town. Right? After, the when town. I got to this point, and I, then I wrote, which is absolutely dreadful. <laughs> like, after all of this, yes, it's awful. Like, it is. It truly is. Humans but being terrible to humans, okay. Understandable. It's bad. It, they do it all the we time. We do it all the time. But a dog? Two. Two of them. You looked at a sweet pupperino and was witchcraft. No! It's cats, my dude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, literally going back, we talked about this in our history class, like, going way, 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 way back. Cats 
You didn't use cats in like cute little family scenes or like wedding portraits and paintings. You used dogs because they're like familial and safe and whatever. Cats have negative and or sexual connotations. So you don't just put them in a happy painting. So if you guys will go back to our um, second episode on William Shakespeare, one of the supposed... Shakespeare. Episode three. My apologies. Because you were episode two. I was episode two. Y'all, this is not great. (laughs) If you'll remember, one of the suspected uh, people who could have been William Shakespeare if he wasn't who he said he was, I'm not going to remember his name now. You know where my brain went? He was played by Ben Affleck in Shakespeare in Love. (laughs) Uh, Christopher Marlowe? Yes. He wrote a play um, about witches in the form of black dogs. And this was very much like a in the are you going to correct me? Am I wrong? No, I'm just annoyed. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm wrong. I think I remember that. I have no idea if you are correct or not. Uh, I, I I'm don't... just annoyed that there was so little popular culture that people saw one play once and they were like Well, it became a part of because a lot of the people who were not literate mm. would go to these shows and then would talk about them and they would take on these stories as like truth because some of them had like folklore in it that they had already kind of believed and then the story is, you know, fleshed out for them on stage and they're like, yes, it's exactly what is happening. And in this story, there's a witch in a town um, who uses a hound of hell to terrorize a farmer and his family. And it turns into this thing where, like, black cats and black dogs are in the same camp uh, as the devil. That whole situation. I want a little black cat. Me too. Desperately. Desperately. They're the cutest. I know. They've got such sweet little faces. Like Sarah's kitties. Their eyes are so bright against their little black cheeks. I love them. Have you seen people using the autumn filter? Yes, it makes me so happy. They look like little binks. Yeah. I love it. Thackeray Binks! Thackeray Binks! The star of NCIS. Did you not know that? I did not know that. Bruh, how have you... Because I don't watch NCIS! But I've definitely talked about it before. Oh, if you have, I have... It has completely left my brain. In the human form... Well, I guess he voices the Capricorn, too. But the young Thackeray Banks in his flowy white shirt is... Definitely my crush. McGee? McGee from uh, NCIS. I believe you. I I had no clue. I am speaking with informed authority on this. Ooh, that's a good phrase. Informed authority. You wouldn't be familiar. Nope. (laughs) So, the aftermath. The estates of those who had been convicted of witchcraft had been confiscated by the Massachusetts Bay Colony, which just ended up making it almost impossible for the heirs of the people who had passed, any of their uh, remaining family, to buy the land back. Like, there was just no way. There was a book called The Witchcraft of Salem Village, which describes the after-effects of the trials very succinctly. Quote, The whole colony, moreover, had suffered. The people had been so determined upon hunting out and destroying witches that they had neglected everything else. Planting, 
cultivating, the care of houses, barns, roads, fences were all forgotten. As a direct result, food became scarce and taxes higher. Farms were mortgaged or sold first to pay prison fees, then to pay taxes. Frequently, they were abandoned. Salem Village began that slow decay, which eventually erased its houses and walls, but never its name and memory. End quote. So I'd like to point something out that I really hate. And it's the fact of prison fees. That if, like, you get arrested, you have to pay a fine for being arrested, even if you were innocent and released. That makes me mad. I don't know. Barnaby will probably come back to me and be like, actually, there's, like, a good reason for it or something like that. I don't Capitalism. Know. Yeah. I don't know why he ended up being Ernie from Sesame Street. Look, you married him. I know. I love him. But he isn't a Muppet. I am. The colonists eventually felt remorse for the trials. Doubt that they had not convicted even one witch had permeated the culture. Oh. And even thought that with the droughts, crop failures, smallpox outbreaks, and Native American attacks, that they were being punished by God for their involvement and mistakes. I mean... If you believe in a vengeful God, you kind of deserve it. Mm. Governor Stoughton issued a proclamation on December 17th, 1697, a few years after the trials, kind of like a prayer of recompense to God, where he suggested, suggested that there should be, quote, an observed day of prayer with fasting throughout the province, so that all God's people may put away that which hath stirred God's holy jealousy against his land. End quote. This day of prayer and fasting was observed on January 15th, 1698, and is known as the Day of Official Humiliation, which I really enjoy. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm glad that they were like, this is the day that we're going to, like, honor the people that we horrifically tortured and killed and accused of doing things that they didn't actually do. Glad that they observed that, but I just enjoy the name. Do you not? No, it's a good one. Are you laughing internally at me? Sure. <laughs> she doesn't find it as funny as me. Anyway. In 1706, Anne Putnam Jr. apologized publicly for her role in the trials basically stating that she was sorry to have had a delusion that Satan had brought on to her belief that her neighbors could have been afflicting her. I'm sorry you felt that way. Exactly. In 1711, a bill was passed that restored the names of some of the convicted and paid 600 pounds in restitution to the heirs still living. The bill also stated, quote, no sheriff, constable, jailer, or any other officer shall be liable to any prosecution in the law for anything they then legally did in the execution of their respective offices, end quote. Mm, okay, so don't charge them for murder because they were just doing their job. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 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 So not everyone who had passed was named in the bill because some families didn't want their family members listed as convicted as a witch, mm -hmm. which understandable. The site where the hangings took place was officially identified as Proctor's Ledge in January 2016, and in 2017, on the 325th anniversary of the trials, the Proctor's Ledge Memorial, for those dead from the event, was unveiled at the end of the street. 
Now, with this much tragedy, humiliation, abuse, and mental anguish, there have to be some ghosts, right? The answer is... kinda? Which I find funny, because it's like witches and stuff, but if they weren't actually witches, why would they... What, what unfinished business? I mean, I... You want to give me a reason to haunt somebody? <laughs> I died early because you called me a witch? Well, I'm a witch now. <laughs> I'm in your house. I'm behind the door. Boo! Apparently a lot of the buildings have, like, eerie feelings and stuff. Bad vibes. I would completely understand bad energy being around. Yeah, bye. Like, if not necessarily a ghost, bad energy, absolutely. Another glorious morning. Makes me sick. She did it again, you guys. She did it. So, most of the buildings of the original Salem Village, including the meeting house where the supposed witches were questioned, are now gone. They were either torn down, burned down. One in particular has been named the Witch House, one that has withstood the test of time. Um, It is the only surviving structure that is directly tied to the trials. The house was owned by Jonathan Corwin. Remember him? He was one of the magistrates uh, presiding on the court. He owned the house at the time, and even the mason who helped remodel the house ended up being accused of witchcraft. The house is said to have wards against witches and spirits in its walls and is a popular stop for ghost hunts because it does have a very, like, eerie, deep feeling in it. Eight children died in the house because 1600s, hello, lots of reasons to die. And, sorry. (laughs) There are. That's just the way you phrased it. 1600s, lots of reasons. Lots of reasons to die. But in any case, there aren't any captured specters or anything like that. No one has ever seen anyone within the house. It's just all around a bad vibe. That's severely disappointing. It's just a bad vibe. But the vibes are so bad that even the ghosts don't want to hang out there. They're like, no, I'm just going to go up the road a couple... I'm going to go scare some cows or something. Good. I'm just going to go to the haunted bookstore. Oh, nice. Yeah, they have a haunted bookstore in Salem. They don't know who's haunting them because it doesn't seem connected to anything that happened in the building. Look, there are a lot of books to read. Right? That would be my dream. you don't have to sleep when you're dead, when you're a ghost. I would love that. I hate sleeping. But you'd have to be the kind of ghost that can touch stuff. Oh, or I'd have to read over people's shoulders and then they'd turn the page too quickly and I'd be like, no, 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 wasn't done. <laughs> you just go back and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, is there a draft in here? <laughs> this is you. Oh, I'm like, love I'm that. a slow reader. <laughs> I love that. So at Old Burying Point Cemetery, where John Haythorne, another of the magistrates, is buried, It has a supernatural history that predates the trials, but adds to the villagers' full belief in spiritual forces. Because there were already ghosts that were inhabiting the Burying Point Cemetery at that time, apparently. So people were, like, afraid to go and visit their loved ones buried there. But the Lady in White is alleged to be captured on film. And a lot of people believe that she is actually Mary Corey looking for her husband. Hmm. Which is yet. 
I feel like so many places have a lady in white. Everywhere has a lady in white. Like a lady every, in white, every, a lady in red. Every old hotel. Oh, uh, a uh, bride. Yeah. <laughs> a dead bride. There's always one. There have also been sightings of orbs, apparitions, and other odd entities and voices at Proctor's Ledge, where they had been killed. I would not want to be a high schooler in that town. Because no. I bet there's all kinds of, like, I triple jog dare you to go stand at the stroke of midnight at yeah. the place, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. There, there too, has to be. I'm too much of a weenie to, to have done that. <laughs> I would have been like, no, I don't need friends. Bye. Exactly. No one is my friend. <laughs> Nobody talked to me. I'm in the show choir. I don't need friends. Nobody talked to me. So Cotton Mather, him again, Mr. Polyester, wrote Wonders of the Invisible World being an account of the trials of several witches lately executed in New England, printed in 1692, right after the last hangings occurred. He ended up having to rewrite it because he wanted to make sure that his praise of going after the devil wasn't misconstrued. He was like, wait, 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 I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. Don't, no. You're reading it wrong. That wasn't what I said. Stop it. It's like modern day authors that go on Twitter and like attack people. Yeah. Not or like Goodreads reviews. Not a good move, y'all. Not a good look. So in pop culture, the earliest use of the Salem Witch Trials as a backdrop was in 1828 with a novel called Rachel Dyer by John Neal. Haven't read it. I don't know if it's good. The most well-known piece of culture that you might know from English class is The Crucible, written by Arthur Miller, which he used the backdrop of the Salem Witch Trials to combat the Red Scare of the 60s. And if you didn't learn that in English class, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm not going to explain it. I'm sorry. And of course, there was Hocus Pocus in 1993, the film classic with our Queen Bette Midler as Winifred. It's beautiful. If you haven't seen it, please do. It's on Directed Disney Plus. Directed by Kenny Ortega. <gasps> yes, I forgot. Of high School Musical fame. Yes. I forget every year, and then it shows up, and I'm like, Oh my gosh. What? So, what are our theories? We've got mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Could have been a response to boredom, to gossip, to rumor, to the girls just wanting attention. And neighbors wanting to get back at one another for a fight or a feud. Some pettiness. Yep, just pure pettiness. And eventually it snowballed to a point that no one could bring it back. And so everything bad was soon seen as an act of witchcraft. And you just, you get to a point where you can no longer go, um, actually, I was not telling the truth. Because then they'd turn on you and you'd be like, oh no. Because that's kind of what happened to Mary Warren, who was Mm -hmm. the servant. Right. Another possibility, which I think everyone knows at this point, is ergot. Bread. Bread. Convulsive ergotism is caused by eating rye bread made from grain that has the fungus Calaviceps purpurea, which is also where LSD comes from, and can cause convulsions, illness, and hallucinations. It's a possibility. Just a several-year-long bad trip. (laughs) Right? And then they put and it the was... baker in jail, and they were stuck with the old bread. They couldn't make new bread. <laughs> I figured it out. Well, and what's interesting is that it really only afflicted young women, and that it could have been because of their weakened bodies or anything like that. 
That's been a claim. Or it was just that they were at home when the bread had first been made and mm-hmm. they were the first to eat it. Oh, I would have been done. Yeah. I would have been calling everybody a witch. Yep. <laughs> Sleep paralysis could also explain some of the night attacks that people had claimed. Because they didn't know how to explain sleep paralysis at that point. They didn't understand that. They just saw their sleep paralysis demon at the end of their bed. And it looked like, you know, the girl from down the street. And you're like, oh my gosh, why are you here? Do you think people were getting a solid eight hours at that point? Because, like, they didn't stay up as late because they didn't have lights. I was going to say, they probably slept with, like, while it was dark and woke up with the sun. And it's and not like, had, like, and there was no daylight savings at that point. Yeah, they, but yeah, they had to get up, actually get up, and like take care of a farm. Some of them, yeah. Or like at least do something. Like they had a, everybody had a thing to do. Ugh. Says the girl who has a nine to five. <laughs> I just why we have to do so many things. <laughs> so, envy or greed within a family feud could also have been cause. Apparently there were a few families in Salem who were feuding and villagers started to take sides. Once the girls started acting strange, it could have been used as an opening to gain land from people you didn't like or agree with and clean up your town as it were once they were convicted, which might've been why they got rid of the old woman and the slave and the beggar first. You know, clean it up. Mm-hmm. Strain from war, the economy, a lack of wealth. In this economy? Yeah. Ugh. Everything. Um, even before the trial, Salem Village was not having a good time. Seasons of crops had been lost. They had lost livestock, and generally they had less in every regard than their neighbor, Salem Town. The strain could have been what kicked off the anxiety and paranoia of being like, they have more than us. And we're so paranoid and stressed out and hungry that we're just mad. We're just hangry all the time. Basically, it was a case of hangry. The last possibility is that the devil is real. But the devil was not within the the ones accused, but within the accusers. Maybe. Yeah, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. And that is the Salem Witch Trials. Well done. I bet all the boys will love you. (laughs) Yeah, out of of the sisters, you're Winifred and I'm Sarah. In Hocus Pocus. (laughs) Put a spell out you. Tis firm. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. True. True. Yes. Um, I'm a little offended. Why? That you didn't mention the most powerful witch to come out of the Salem witch trials. It was Agatha all along. (laughs) (laughs) I completely forgot there was a storyline in WandaVision. Which, like, you've had enough time to watch it, everybody. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Because it's really good. It is really good, actually. It'll make you feel things. Fully cried throughout the entire last episode. Yeah. I had a hard time on that one. It was rough. It's good, though. Yeah. Anyway, the Salem Witch Trials appear in that as well. Yep. I think they're also in Timeless. 
That feels like something they would do. I think. Because it was like, they wanted, she probably, the historian probably like met one of the girls that like is supposed to die and then was like, oh no, yeah. but if I, da 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 da. That's such a good show. I should go back and watch that again. Well, and Salem, Massachusetts now has a statue of Samantha from Bewitched. They put it up during the 60s. This is not something that I mentioned, but during during the 60s, there was a resurgence of witches in Salem. And let me see if I can find it real quick. I think it's very ironic that witches and witchcraft were seen as such a terrible thing, which led to all of this happening. But now it's like the main, you know, the main drive of, I mean, I'm sure some people go for like being history nerds, but also, especially in October, I'm sure oh, yeah. there's just a ton of basic girls being like, oh my God, let's you- get, come on, Coven, let's go to Salem. Like, I absolutely would wear a big hat and wear black and drink a pumpkin spice latte with you guys. Like, I'm there. I'm absolutely there. Let's go, baby. The entire town of Salem during all of October is just Halloween. Like, they have events happening all through town. They do. That is truly Halloween town, Salem, Massachusetts. Let's go. Honestly, it's not that far. So what I was looking for uh, before was this uh, independent feminist group called the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, or (laughs) W-I-T-C-H. It was founded in the 60s. Um, They also went by women inspired to tell their collective history and women interested in toppling consumer holidays, among other names. They came up with other acronyms. But they were basically just feminists who were interested in social change. They were pushing for social change. And this is a quote that they were, that they viewed the witches of Salem, quote, as the first guerrilla fighters against women's oppression, end quote. They are really cool. But they put in the 60s a statue of Samantha from Bewitched in the middle of Salem. Still there. You can get your picture taken with it. It's really cute. I guess it's really not Samantha from Bewitched. It's supposed to be Elizabeth Montgomery, the woman who played her, but like it's Samantha from Bewitched. So Salem, let's go on the road trip. Yay. How you feeling, bud? Sleepy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Blood sugar lows. No, it's just, it's, (laughs) it's nine o'clock on a school night. (laughs) But. Ooh, you got to get excited now, though. I know. That's why I said, but. (laughs) Wait, there's more. Thanks, Billy Mays. Billy Mays, the guy who was the Oxygen. Oh, the laundry detergent. Yeah. Got it. But wait, there's more. Sorry. May he rest in peace. Yeah, sorry for that reference. <laughs> so we're doing a giveaway. Woo! You can find all the info on our Insta. It'll tell you how to win these items. But first prize is a TV static pin, an alien sticker, and a leather notebook made by yours truly. And second prize is a card from us, an award ribbon with an Illuminati-esque figure on it, and a couple adorable stickers that Shannon has collected for you. 
Um, so please go to our Instagram, learn how to play, please play, um, and maybe you'll win something. It'll be fun. I'm really excited about it. It's been in the works for a while, and I'm very happy that we finally did it. Thanks for being here, friends. Thanks for sticking with us for 50 episodes. Whether you've been here from the beginning. Or if you just joined us. If you have been conned into listening by a spouse, friend, or acquaintance, welcome. We're happy to have you here. We are happy to have you here. We do love you guys. We wish we heard from you more. Like, I sound like my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, passive-aggressive. That was passive aggressive. I apologize. Speak if you want to. You do not have to. We're just trying to bribe you with with presents. Um, So come be our friend. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, friends. Thanks for being a part of our community. And as a part of our community, you know the number one rule. Remember. This podcast doesn't exist. Well done. We did it. Oh, we did it. 50 episodes. I'm tired. I know.